not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from the power weakness had on me. And welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm Jean McCarthy, recovery author, blogger, and podcast host. I've been chronicling my adventures in life after alcohol since my first day of sobriety over nine years ago in my blog, Unpickled, and in books like the Unpickled Holiday Survival Guide and my recently released poetry collection, The Ember Ever There. I tell my stories there, and I hold space for your stories here. And today I'm holding space for Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. Hi, Jean. Thank you for having me. Now, you are here in connection with a milestone. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Where are you at? Uh, Tomorrow, I will have 365 days alcohol-free. One whole revolution around the sun. Yes, yes. It's, and it's, my, how the world has changed in the last 12 months, not just your sobriety, but who oh, could have guessed? Oh my gosh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's been amazing, actually. So yeah, I guess it's serving you well through everything that's going on these days as we're recording it. We are in the COVID summer 2020, so yeah. uh, there's lots happening. But never mind all of that. <laughs> Let's get to know you. Let, tell us about yourself and tell us your story. Okay. Well, my name, as I said, is Jenny. I'm 45, I'm married. I've been married for 22 years. I have three kids, two boys and a girl. Uh, my daughter's 11. And my two boys are 14 and 17. I live in uh, close to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in a little town called Cedarburg. It's a cute little town. And I work part-time as a dental hygienist. I always say I'm a part-time hygienist and a full-time mom. Um, I enjoy just being active with the kids, running, biking, outdoor activities, walks, fishing, time with friends, things like that. Um, So to go kind of start from the beginning. I'm the youngest of six kids. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom until probably until I was in middle school. And then she actually, my dad was a dentist. And so she started working with him at the office. And um, otherwise I had older siblings. Um, I think there was about four and a half years between myself and my sisters. So, you know, having older siblings, I very much looked up to um, them a lot. Um, unfortunately, and this kind of, I I think the, the beginning of where everything started for me, I, um, when I was four and a half years old, my oldest brother was killed in a hunting accident. And, um, and then actually when I was born, I was, um, a twin, but, um, my mom had, my brother was a stillborn. So between my birth and then my, when I was four and a half, my mom had lost two children. So I pretty much say mom checked out. I didn't really have a mom growing up. Um, I, uh, she, you know, she did the best that she could, but I think she just, like I said, she checked out. Um, dad worked all the time. So I really just had my older siblings to look up to. And so I grew up with, um, my, my older brothers and, my sister were um, were partiers, and I just remember 
gosh, I just remember my mom and dad would go on vacations and I would be at home with my siblings. And I believe I was in first or second grade. They used to call me little Steve because I look like my brother, Steve. And I would actually pour, you know, out of the keg. I, I was, I learned to pour beer out of a keg, you know, without a head and all that stuff. And I learned that when I was, what, how old are you in first grade, six or seven years old? Um, so I thought that was cool, you know, so from early on, I started that. And then probably, probably around fifth or sixth grade, um, was when I started just kind of, I had a friend of mine and we were, she was the youngest of, I believe, seven kids and she would steal a beer. And after basketball, we'd, we'd, we'd sneak a beer, warm beer in the locker room, which is horrible. Right. Um, but we would do that. And then, um, by eighth grade, I was hanging out with high schoolers. So again, you know, just, I always thought drinking was cool. Um, my siblings would come home from a night of partying or whatever. And, and I would, you know, I would think that was pretty awesome. So the sooner I started drinking, the cooler I thought I was. Um, unfortunately, and early on, I learned that I am a blackout drinker. So, um, as crazy as this sounds, my first blackout was in sixth grade. I went to my friend's brother's wedding again, all older people looking up to older people and just really wanting to fit in. And my, um, I just remember waking up on her couch and I had, I had gotten sick. I'd thrown up all over the place and I don't remember driving home or I don't remember the ride home. And, you know, there were little things here and there. My mom and dad used to have, um, they used to have dinner parties and the same friend, we would, you know, sneak a little something here and there. And, um, again, thought I was cool, but you know, whatever. So high school, pretty much drank all throughout high school. Um, and that's just what we did in high school. You partied. I always, I I mean, surprisingly enough, I actually, I lived out in the country and I went to a smaller, a smaller Catholic girl. So, you know, those Catholic girls went to a smaller high school. So I actually drove a lot. So I, I was, I was the responsible one. So the parents thought, and, um, you know, I, I kept it pretty under, I mean, we were still out partying and drinking and stuff, but we, I kept it under, under wraps. But, um, then, then college, then I went to college and I, I was always, again, a partier, you know, you go to college and you party. And, um, I think the first time that I really started to notice that, I mean, even in high school, I mean, I'd get, I got in trouble a couple of times for drinking and, um, well, actually my freshman year in high school, now that I think back to it, I, um, I got really, again, my same girlfriend that I would drink with, we, um, we went to a dance and we thought it was a good idea to steal a bottle of gin from her then boyfriend's parents' house. And we were drinking straight gin with chasers on the way to the dance. And, I ended up in a blackout and I ended up in the hospital and, um, her and, and her, but we all ended up in the hospital. I did not have to get my stomach pumped, but the other two, my other two friends did. And I just remember being in the hospital and they came in and they told my parents for a freshman, your daughter had a blood alcohol level of 0.23. And at that age, she should be much sicker than she is. It's an indicator that she is 
probably drinking more than you think she is. And I would say that was my first real big red flag. I had to go to the assessment and I had to go to some counseling. And um, I do remember sitting in an AA. In a, I was going, I went to AA. I went to an AA meeting with my dad. I was 16 years old. Talk about awkward. But I had to for the assess uh, the assessment. So somehow got out of that. Kept drinking on and um, well, on throughout grades or throughout high school. And then um, college came. I was a big partier in college. Uh, freshman year, uh, you know, you do the gain the freshman. For me, it was the freshman twenty partying up till two in the morning, ordering pizza, um, but blacking out. I would black out and. But so did some of my other friends. So I kind of still thought I was being cool and that it was okay. Um, come my sophomore year, I started to, gosh, I started to need more time to recoup from a night out. So I actually had a rule. My sophomore year, I needed to settle down. So uh, I would allow myself to go out either Thursday or Friday night because I was too hungover the next day to function. So I'd go out Thursday, I'd be hungover Friday, and then I could study Saturday. So I went to a four-year college and, and, and have my bachelor's. So it was a lot of studying, a lot of, you know, just a lot of time. And I needed to focus. I couldn't party the whole time because it was just, it was, I couldn't do both. I was never that straight A student. Um, summer before my junior year, I met who is now my husband and um, didn't really, I mean, again, we partied, but you know, I was in love and kind of, you know, taken away with that. So it didn't really, I don't know, cause too much of an issue. Um, senior year though, um, I studied hard. Um, I had clinicals. I had to get up in the morning early, early bit, you know, clinicals at seven 30 in the morning. I had a whole day of clinic. So with that, I, you know, I tried to behave as much as I could. Um, but towards the end of my senior year, I was starting to notice more and more, of, um, drinking patterns. And then once I graduated, that's when it, it really hit me. So the first year out of college, I, I think it was because I didn't really have anything to focus on anymore. I wasn't in school anymore. I I had a job, but you know, that was easy. So I really started, really started to, to drink uh, more and more. And, um, got married in between there and crazy thing. I actually went to counseling before I got married because I didn't want to black out and make an ass out of myself at my wedding. So I went to counseling because, well, I told the counselor I didn't, I wanted to keep drinking, but I didn't want to, to, you know, to, to have a horrible wedding. I, I know looking back, how crazy is that? But, um, I ended up blacking out on my wedding. And so that's, you know, I, disappointed myself then. But, um, so yeah, so we got married, um, drinking got bad for a while, meaning like for whatever reason for a year there, we were building a house and living with my in-laws, which maybe could, could attribute to part of my, my, uh, starting to drink in the morning. So I was probably 24 to 24 and I would drink in the morning, not when I had to work, but on a day off or on the weekends and drink a lot. I actually ended up one time in the emergency room, just drunk, just really completely drunk. I'd fallen and hit my head and uh, my mother-in-law came with me and my husband. And so just, just some crazy stuff. But 
then we moved into our house and we decided it was time to have kids. So by the grace of God, I somehow managed to get my drinking somewhat under control. And, um, I took on the mommy role. So, um, we had started having kids and we had the three children. And of course I had the mommy play dates and, um, I would, my first son, I didn't really have too much of an issue as far as, um, drinking. Well, I had an issue drinking, but, um, the pumping and dumping thing, I didn't do so much with him, but, but I did do that with my second one. And then my daughter, they came out with those alcohol strips for your breast milk, which I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's fantastic. So I would pump and dump with her, but I also would use those strips, which some days I'd be so hungover that, uh, that that darn strip would stay dark for pretty much the whole day, which indicates clearly how much I had drank the night before. But, um, so kept doing that, but um, I always knew that alcohol was an issue, but I thought, well, I'm going to get it under control one of these days. And so that's what I thought. And I thought, well, my kids aren't going to know. My kids are never going to notice. And as long as the kids don't notice, it's okay. Um, and then one Mother's Day, I was so hungover. I remember I went online and I started looking at some stuff and I, and I looked up, I found Mrs. D., um, Mrs. D goes without alcohol, I believe it is. And, uh, I was just research. I remember sitting in the library and I was researching and thinking how many moms actually sit in the library with their kids, their young kids and are researching this stuff, you know, and then I found Mrs. D and I'm like, Oh, okay, well, I, I'm not the only mom that does this. Um, and then shortly after that, I found the bubble hour and I was listening to that and, about six, six years ago, I did 30 days alcohol-free. I wanted to go because I knew, right, I had to stop. So in September, I wanted September at 30 days. So, okay, I'm going to go my 30 days. So I went 30 days. It was extremely hard, but I did it. And then I remember I went on a, on a vacation up to my girlfriend's cabin and we're with the kids, having a great time, kind of celebrating my birthday because it was around that time. My birthday is October 9th, so it was around that time. And I got really, really drunk, and I passed out in front of – I passed. there was a, a bedroom with two bunk beds, and I passed out on the floor. Of course, I don't remember this. I just remember waking up the next morning in my regular bed going, how did I, how did I get here, which was not a – you know, non – which was a normal thing for me, unfortunately. But um, – I just remember my middle son, Evan, came upstairs and he said, Mom, you must have been really tired last night because you just fell asleep on the floor. And I and my oldest son looked at me and he's like, did, did you really fall asleep or you were acting really strange? And so I thought, oh, great. You know, I went my 30 days and here's the first day out. I get blackout drunk and pass out. So, OK, it's starting to affect, you know, now the kids kind of know. Um, so. I never thought I would let that happen. Um, I thought I'd get under control or stop before it affected the kids, and it didn't. Um, so I went on. I kept looking up blogs, uh, really wanted to quit drinking, looked up um, books. I started reading books. Um, and, you know, I would just know in the back of my head, I, I would 
have bits and pieces of sobriety, but then it's like, man, this is too hard. And this is really depressing. And this really sucks. And, and I, I don't, I don't want to belong to that club. I don't want to be part of those people. So I just, I, I felt better if I just tried to ignore it and I would get through those days of being hungover and tried my best to be the best mom while still, you know, drinking. Um, then fast forward a little bit, keep it doing that. I mean, I ran, mar- I, I did my first marathon, well, one and only marathon in 2012. Um, I would miss a couple runs cause I was so hungover, but, um, finally in 2017, um, my son, my oldest, it was June 15th with his birthday. And I just remember I woke up, I had taken my kids up North and I had planned, I, I, I had known that I was, that I needed to quit drinking and, I woke up that morning of his birthday and my husband wasn't with me on that trip. And I was sharing a bed with my daughter and she rolled over and she looked at me and she said, mommy, you look, you look sick. She goes, are you in your breath smells? And are you, are you still, are you still drunk? (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, yep. I need to quit. So that was it. June 15th of 2017. I quit drinking. I put myself in AA. I was in that for three or four months. Um, I thought it was the hardest thing ever in the world. I, I really got engaged in the AA community though. I did, I got a sponsor. I went to meetings all the while. Not really, not really some, I don't know. I can't explain it, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't there. Um, so a few months later, that was in June, in October, my husband and I took the kids down to Universal Studios and I was in my fourth month of sobriety. And I just remember we went through a whole day at Universal and all I wanted to do was drink. And I, it was, it was really, it was hell. It felt like hell, even though I should be enjoying my kids, right? You're on vacation, but I, I couldn't. I, um, I was thinking about, wow, wouldn't a drink be nice or wow, wouldn't it be? So we ended up back at the pool that night and I said to my husband, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the bar. And he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I said, okay, but I'm going. So I went and had a couple beers and I mean, just within minutes of drinking that first drink, I, I was, I knew I'm like, oh yeah, this is wonderful. And also extremely scary. And, um, so that night and my, my husband doesn't even know the, the whole story. I actually, uh, we all went back to the hotel, but then got everybody in bed and I went back out because why wouldn't I? And, uh, blacked out. I don't remember going back to the hotel room and, um, we got up the next morning and I just remember showering and throwing up. I not in the shower. I threw up before I got in the shower, but I was getting sick. And then I went to breakfast with the entire family. I'm, Oh mom, I got to go back. I got to pick something. I left something in the hotel and I went back and I'm throwing up at universal studios with my husband and my kids at breakfast all because I, you know, drank too much. So, um, I hit it extremely well. I was always great at hiding my hangovers, but, um, but yeah, so, and then I continued to drink, um, for the last couple, the last, those last couple years. Um, and then I, I, summer of last year, so summer of 2019, I knew again, I'm like, okay, it's getting too much. The hangovers are getting to be too much. I would be hungover for, um, a couple days and, 
my anxiety started getting bad and just a whole bunch of stuff. And I, again, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. And so I'd go a few days and then, you know, I, I would go back and then, um, the consequence, just a whole bunch. I depression, anxiety, blacking out, hang two day hangovers. Um, I, I just, I couldn't, you know, I don't know. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't not, not drink. And it was, it was getting to the point where in probably the last couple of years, um, I'm trying to remember back. I, I would start shaking. I, I would be so hungover or I worked so part-time that I would work a couple of days a week and then I would drink for five days straight and I was shaking and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I, I am like, and I look up stuff online and, you know, end stage alcoholism. I'm like blacking out more shaking, like, Oh my gosh, I am not an, right. I'm not an end stage alcoholic. This, this is nuts. Um, so I think what finally did it for me is that I, um, November of 2018, November of 2018, my oldest brother committed suicide and he had anxiety and depression and it didn't really get bad until the last couple of years of his life. And I know he was, I was very close with all my siblings and I never in a million years would have thought he would have ended up doing that. But mental health is, is very tricky and very scary. And it, and it took him and the anxiety is, was probably the worst. And my anxiety on the days after I drank were debilitating. I got to a point where I, I couldn't function. I was in bed all day. Uh, I couldn't make the easiest, I couldn't make a decision to save my life. The simplest decisions I could not do. Um, at one point, a couple times, not often, but probably my worst time was that I would get, um, I remember one day I woke up on a Monday and I was so still hungover from the weekend. Now, even though I didn't drink on Sunday, cause I wouldn't drink on Sundays cause I had to work Monday and I would need to recoup, you know, heal. And I just remember I took the kids to, to school and I didn't want to go to work. I wanted to go home and I thought, God, if I just go home and take a whole bottle of pills and just end this, And I, but of course, I mean, I I thought, I thought it, it was a thought, but never anything. I don't, I don't think I would have ever acted on, but to say that my life got to be that bad. And I just remember my son that night. I, so I, at the time I was only working eight to two on Mondays and I would pick my kids up after school. And I remember picking them up and seeing them walk out and getting in the car and thinking, wow, that could have had a much different ending their day could have ended so much differently and the rest of their lives. And I remember saying this to my husband one time and I'm like, sometimes I just don't want to be here. I don't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, this alcohol is literally ruining my life. And he's like, all you're doing, all you would do by doing that is take your anxiety and your depression and and, and put it onto our kids. And, you know, those three little human beings are my entire, in my entire life. And I, I would never, ever want to do that. But it scared me with what my brother had done um, that I would even 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 remotely think about that. But that's how bad it had gotten. And it was all because of drinking. Um, so I decided, Jean McCarthy, that I was going to reach out to you of the summer of 2019 because there was no screwing around if you reached out to Jean McCarthy for help. So <laughs> I know, right? So I did. And I sent you an email and through listening to the bubble hour for years, I had probably been listening six, six years or so. Um, 
I reached out to you and I got, became part of the BFB and I became a part of She Recovers. And, uh, through that, um, I think the biggest, biggest, hugest thing for me was, um, finding, well, I, I have a substance abuse counselor now, we'll call him Dennis, but he has been a lifesaver. He is, He's absolutely wonderful. And I had tried to find a, um, a counselor early on of last summer. And I just remember she, she was horrible actually. And, and I, I, I feel so bad for her because I think she needs a different profession, but I just remember her saying, you just need to not drink, go to AA and don't drink. I'm like, um, okay, but, but, but you, you can't, you can't do that. Like I, I need more than that. Um, like what about all my other issues? Like why I started drinking in the first place and you know, just all this stuff. And she wasn't having that. So I fired her and then I found Dennis. And so that's been a huge help. But, um, I have a give a shout out to a, a friend, uh, named Meredith who I found through she recovers because I was posting and she reached out to me and she was struggling with alcohol and I was struggling with alcohol. And we just started messaging each other. And, um, I said, well, maybe today should be our last day one. And she said, yeah, she goes, okay, I'm going to send you my text. Da, 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 da. And for the last 300, the last year, we have been in touch every day. Now, when you decide, yes, I'm going to quit drinking and I'm going to do it with a complete stranger, you think, oh my gosh. And and that's not really what I want to say, but I want to say a four letter word, but I can't, so I won't, but I'm like <laughs> freaking out, right? Like, oh my gosh, it's not, it's, it's not just me. And, um, yeah, I mean, her and I, I mean, we kept in touch. There were times where I was going to drink if it wasn't for Meredith. Um, and I would text her and I'm like, I want to drink. And she's like, well, no kidding. So do I. And I'm like, oh, okay. And on one time I, I, I would say it again. And I'm like, I really, really want to drink. And um, she, no, that's not it. Actually, she she was going through something with her, her ankle. And I said to her, I hadn't heard from her and I was getting worried. And it was, uh, I don't know how far into this we were, but I said, are you, um, I said, are you okay? I haven't heard from you. I'm a little worried. She said, no, I haven't drank. If that's what you mean, if I drink, I derail you too. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so, so correct. I mean, that's right. Because if she was going to drink, I sure as heck was going to drink, but there's no way I could drink because then I'd have to tell her and I could lie about it. But then, but that's not what we do. Right. You know, you just, you can't lie about drinking. Cause then that's just, I mean, as much as I did lie about drinking, I couldn't lie to my accountability partner. So, um, yeah. So I guess that's, that's about it, Jean. I'll, I'll let you ask me questions cause I'm sure you have a bunch and, um, yeah. So here I am on, on the bubble hour. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought I would be one day and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. But here I am. But here you are. But here I am. Here you are. Yes. And you're telling your story. So um, I, I, re- I definitely remember writing back and forth with you. Yeah. What was it? And I'm not, a- I'm not asking you to sing my praises. That's not the source of this question. Right. What did what was it that I said that helped? Was it just was it just the act of reaching out to someone who you knew would hold you accountable in me and in Meredith? Or, you know, was there something that one of us said that you hadn't heard before? Like what, what made that helpful? Well, for me to reach out to you, it was kind of like 
you, you can't, you're, you're the celebrity in the recovery community. Like, and I'm I'm rolling my eyes. You can't hear me, but I'm rolling my eyes. So that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. But you are, you know, just accept it. It's, it's, I mean, you know, um, I mean the, the bubble hour, I, I can't tell you how many times I listened to that throughout the years. And there were times when I would listen and I would hate it. I would, I would hate listening because it was so me and it was so true. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that seems like so much work. So I wouldn't listen for six months, but then I would you know, have an episode or something would happen or I'm like, you know, Jenny, you got to start working on this again. Episodes of the bubble hour. So I felt like I was going to be a real, f- and then I kept hearing about the BFB and she recovers and AA hadn't worked for me. So I was just, I really wanted to get connected with those two things. I'm like, what is this you guys talk about? You know, what, is, what are these online connections that Jean McCarthy's talking about that she's part of? So I had to, I had, I wanted to be part of it. <laughs> So the the things you're mentioning there for those who haven't heard us talk about it on the show before, those are some online groups mm-hmm. that are um, secret Facebook groups where you can get support. There are tons of different online groups that are not on Facebook or on Facebook, and there's different ones you can sign up for. There's free ones. There's paid ones. Um, there's there's all kinds of different ones. So uh, if you want to know more about that, you can shoot me a message listeners and I'll help you find something that, that works for you. But that's what, that's what Jenny's talking about. And BFB stands for booze free brigade. And it is uh, an online support group for people in recovery. And it, it, for a long time, it was the only one it was started. Gosh, it's been around for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Well, I guess Facebook hasn't been around that long, but it's been around for a long time. Um, and, um, uh, but now there's, there's just tons. And so what I'm wondering is if it was only partly, only partly the show and only partly my response. What I'm thinking is that you were ready. Yes. Right. Yes. That's a big part of it. Too. Right. Right. So what was different in you? Do you think round two versus round one? Well, I mean, real serious rounds, right? Because I mean, for years I dabbled in it. I dabbled in trying to not do it. Um, I just, I can't explain it. So many people say it just clicks or it just happens. And, um, uh, it just, it just clicked. It just happened. It just, I don't know. I was, like you said, I was ready. Um, I was tired. I was, I couldn't live the way I was living anymore. I didn't want to. And, um, I, 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 I mean, I could talk for hours on here about things I've done and said while under the influence. And um, there were a couple of things getting close towards the end, some some situations with my oldest son that I was not very proud of. And and uh, I thought, man, he's going to he's going to grow up hating me. And I'm very, very close with my kids. But they know they know how I get. Um, they know that mom gets a little crazy when she drinks. And um I, I didn't want that. I really didn't want that. I didn't, mm-hmm. I had so many issues with my mom growing up that I did not want to do that. And, and one of the, one of the situations was I was, um, uh, you know, I was actually on BFB talking to them. I had 23 days sober and I went to a golf outing, which now in hindsight, I know not to put myself in those situations. I mean, now I would be fine, but in early days, no. And that's one of the things in recovery you have to, you have got to make, you have got to make choices for yourself of where to put yourself and at what time, because I was out of 
obligations or whatever, I was putting myself in situations, pretty much setting myself up to fail. And I was at this golf outing and, you know, you get there, it's 1030. I'm with my husband and a bunch of other friends. It was for the high school and everybody's at the bar drinking Bloody Mary's. And it's just, you know, you just, my heart just dropped. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is just going to be horrible. But I, I got through it till about whole nine until I, I got through it until I didn't. And then I even asked the cart girl for an NA beer and she's like, oh, I just, just got our last one. And so I'm like, okay, well, F this, I'm i uh, I'm going to drink. And I did. And I came home. Don't remember, of course, coming. Don't remember leaving. Don't remember being home. And I just remember my daughter. She's like, mom, you couldn't even walk straight. And she knew she was 10 at the time. And, um, out of both of my, out of the three of my kids, the oldest and the youngest have been the most affected by my drinking and the middle one, even I ask him to this day and he's like, no, I, never, I know you quit. I don't really, never really noticed. I'm like, how, what? How? Wow. Okay. All right. But, um, you know, it, and, and that's, it's just, that's some, I was somebody I never thought I would be. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and now this last year, I mean, you're talking three, 30 years of drinking. I really, I mean, really started so early on. I'm 45 years old. And I think, I don't even know who I was. I don't even know who I am. I mean, I'm starting to learn, but who's Jenny? Um, Because I numbed my whole life. And I, and I think because of early on, when you have a mom who's checked out like that, and you look up to your siblings, and you just want to fit in, and you want to be cool, and you want to be loved, and you want to this, you, you know, I, 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 I just, I went to alcohol and that's how I've coped. I mean, that's just, that's just what I did. Um, I I wonder too, just as you describe that and, you know, from, from far away and being removed from your life and your situation, just patterns, you know, are easier to spot for other people hearing the story for the first time. And so you were raised by a mom that was checked out by grief. And I just wonder that, you know, in the absence of a role model, well, really, you used that as a role model for being a mom, just you just checked out differently, right? Right. And I I don't know if that holds up, as not, but this is an observation of the way we, we do things. I mean, we our parents are our only example really of how to be a parent right. and that's why their words come out of our mouth. <laughs> right. 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 And you're like, Oh, I thought I'd never say that. Yeah. Oh, I thought I'd never do that. Right. But we kind of find our own ways to do it. And, and so I wonder if, if, if there's something to that, you know, if history repeats itself in its own little ways. So in light of that, Jenny, are you reparenting yourself now in recovery? Yes. Well, I'm trying to, um, a huge part of, so I felt like, okay, I've, I've gotten a year in the, it's not that a year was really my goal. I mean, it's a, it's a lifelong thing, but, um, I'm in such a different place on, on today than I was a year ago. And, um, I am learning, I I don't hate myself anymore, which is huge. Um, I used to not think very much of myself. And mm-hmm. I think that's be well, when you're constantly, you know, making really s- stupid decisions when you're intoxicated, <laughs> you don't like yourself very much. Um, and yeah, I am starting to parent myself. I am starting, um, a huge part of she recovers, which I love 
is um, the heal the intergenerational trauma of healing that. And a big thing for me is, especially with the mental health in my family, I think, okay, I can, I can keep going. I can keep partying. I can keep doing this. I can keep, keep on, keep, you know, blacking out and, you know, it's going to be an issue for my kids. I'm going to put them in therapy. They're going to see it. You know, the thing with addiction, it's, it's there. And, um, I mean, it scares me to death, but I'm so worried that, you know, one or all of my kids are going to have it or this or that, but, um, and I'm getting off of your parenting myself, but I kind of parent myself, but also I want to parent them if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Definitely it does. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of parenting myself along with them. And, um, I think it's a huge now I, it's, it's, it's so strange because I don't feel, I don't feel bad. I don't have that shame and guilt of, uh, um, um, an alcoholic being an alcoholic mother. I, I feel almost this, this, the kids are, have been so proud of me, especially my old, my oldest, my youngest, this last year, they have I me, mean, my daughter makes comments. She, she said the other day, she's like, mom, do you think I'm going to have the crazy when I get older? I'm like, <laughs> I know. Right. I'm like, well, honey, I don't know. I hope you don't. She goes, well, if I do, I know what I, I know I can, I can turn to you and I can go to you and you can help me because look at you, look what you've done. You're not crazy anymore. So, you know, I'm a role model and she's my big, she's my biggest cheerleader. Now, is it kind of sad in the beginning when your 11 year old has to smell your glass and ask what you have in it? Well, yeah, but now she's, she doesn't, you know, and so it's just part of life. I mean, we all have our stuff. This is, this is, this is my thing. So, um, Uh I just... I'm, and I love that, you know, if, because they were along for the ride yeah. during years that you drank, it, it's so great that they're along for the ride during your recovery mm-hmm. and that they're, especially at, at a, a time of their lives that, you know, there's a lot that happens in high school and yeah. in those years, as you know, yeah. yes. <laughs> and, uh, yes. and so just to know that, um, you have come out the other side and we, you know, we can't we can't protect them from everything, but I feel like by modeling a solution for them, mm-hmm. um, there's just so much happens there. I mean, I, I was talking to a counselor when I was pretty early in recovery and one of my kids was going through something and I went to a counselor to ask her, like, I have no idea how to parent through this r- fairly mild issue we were having, but sure. I just didn't know what to do. And I mentioned to her that I had recently quit drinking and she says, she's like, that's the best gift you can give to your kids. It is such a wonderful gift to give to your kids, not just because you're present, but also because you're showing them a solution and you're living out the solution. Sure. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about your parents, if you don't mind. Sure. They've been through a lot. I'm so sorry for all the loss in your family, yeah, um, you. for your brother and, and the deaths that um, happened early on in your family. Are your parents still alive? My mom is. Yes, my mom is. She's 80. Um, my dad has, my dad passed away probably six years ago, he passed away at age 79. He had mm-hmm. uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. So, Oh, that's hard too. Yeah. That's yeah. really hard too. Yeah. So what's your relationship like with your mom now? Do you have a sort of, I mean, because as being part of a group like She Recovers, where we talk about everyone is in recovery f- from something yes. or 
you know, has oh. the potential to be. Yep. How has that affected how you see your mom and how you connect with her and compassion towards her? What's that like for you now? Yeah. So I had a lot of anger towards my mom uh, growing up, you know, my 20s, 30s. Well, my mom is is depressed. She's been through a lot in her life. And, and I do know that now. And I'm not mad at her anymore. Um, I try to be the best daughter that I can be because she's, she's hurting. And she, um, you know, she, she's had a lot of losses in her life. And I just look at myself now, she knows that I'm on this, this journey. And um, my mom, actually, back about 12 years ago or so had her own issues with alcohol. And and I don't remember her drinking at all growing up. I don't remember her. My dad would have a Heineken maybe once or twice a year. Um, I don't remember my mom drinking, but she had enough. She, for a few years there, she, she was, she was drinking wine. She was getting crazy, not crazy, but I mean, she had two DWIs and, and this was, this was not too, too long ago. I remember this was when I was having babies. So um, yeah, I mean, my mom and I just, she always thought she's like, I did the best I could. And she did. And she thought buying me guest jeans in high school was being a good mom, you know, and all I really, (laughs) all I really wanted was to be loved, you know, and feel loved. And, um, but I, I stopped being angry with her really when my brother died in 2018, because he was living with her at the time. And, um, I just, I, I thought, wow, this lady has been through so much. And, um, We've been through, and, and I had a nephew, it was actually the um, son of my brother who took his life. His his son died of a heroin overdose when he was 22 or 23. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like one thing after another. I know when I sat down mm-hmm. with my therapist and he's like, write out your, your list of your life and your losses. And he's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot there. And I look and I think, you know what, I, I needed... I'm such a better daughter sober and I'm, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm such a better person sober and I, I love my mom now. And I, and I, I, I have a tremendous amount of joy in being there for her because she still struggles and she'll always struggle with some depression issues. And, um, yeah, I just, I just, I feel like it's my time to parent her, which is kind of, crazy because she never really was a parent to me, but I don't know. It's ironic for sure. Right. Yeah. But don't you find that we can be so purposeful and intentional from, from this perspective, um, my dad passed away a couple of years ago and it wasn't, it wasn't easy in the last few years before he died. He, he, he wasn't himself and, and, um, he was pretty, he was pretty hard to be around. And, um, and I uh, thank God for recovery because I had stopped trying to like squeeze that golden daughter moment out of (laughs) our last years together. Like I was able to release that and just walk in and, and know I'm here to be kind, you know, as long as I'm kind for the next hour, it doesn't matter if he receives it or not. I am just here to be kind. And wow, that was such a game changer. And I, you know, I think when I was drinking, a lot of that was to to numb the pain that I wasn't getting back 
what I wanted from other people. You know, you're trying to be a people pleaser, which is nice speak for manipulate them into do what you want. Right. Yes. Right. And and you kind of want, like you said, you want love or you want approval or you want connection. And then when you don't get it, it was just so painful. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I love that you're learning to just be kind and go in intentionally and you know, not, not have expectations because you hear this a lot too. And you, I'm sure you heard this in your AA time, expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Sure. Oh yeah. 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 I am amazed at how just the whole recovery community and how it's, um, you know, AA, I went to actually how I found my substance abuse counselor was through women for sobriety. I went to that for a couple meetings and I love the 13 statements they have. I love all little bits and pieces of all recovery pathways, um, mm-hmm. which is also why I absolutely love she recovers because, you know, it, it's not one way. Had I been, had I continued the AA route, I don't, I, I was, I don't know that I would have done it. Now, Am I opposed to going to an AA meeting? Absolutely not. In fact, I kind of want to go, well, they don't have them right now, but I'm like, hey, can I have a one-year chip? Because <laughs> I have chips. <laughs> but, um, you know, I I just love that there's so many, so many different, so many different things out there that you can, mm-hmm. can get, get to where you need to, to be. Were there any little nuggets that you took with you? from your time in the 12 step program, there have to be some things that resonated with you and, and continue to help you now from your time. And then in that program, um, I, I don't know. I really, I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Jean. I'm trying to, I'm trying to come on. I'm like, okay, what's a good answer here? Come on, make something up here, Jen. No. Um, I honestly, I don't think I was ready to be, I was not ready to quit drinking and to work the 12 steps really bothered me because I wasn't in a place in my life where I was ready to work on my stuff. Right. Um, and so, I mean, yes, there's the big book. Does it have stuff in there? I mean, I could go grab it out of my drawer and talk, you know, talk to you about it. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, so much stuff in there is me. And, but I I can't pinpoint one thing. I can't Mm -hmm. pinpoint one thing. There's not some little cliche that comes back to you or anything like that. Not off the top of my head. No, no. Oh, well, you're not going to let me wrap this up in a nice neat bow, but, (laughs) but it speaks to the, to the point that when you're not ready or when you're really fighting it, being around people that are working any program or, uh, it's almost kind of annoying, right? Yeah. It's like, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say that, that they went to meetings or they, they were kind of, you know, half in and, and they just found it annoying. And I really think that our addiction looks for ways that we're different than other people when it's, when it's driving the bus, because it really just wants to tell us like, you're not like them. You don't need to be here. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't for you. Yeah. Keep drinking. Yeah. Well, and I do remember specifically one time I had called a friend in AA and I, I was having such a hard time. And I, I want to drink. I want to drink. I want to drink. And I just remember her going through the checklist of 
of as they do, you know, as you do the checklist, everything you're supposed to say to the person who's in that situation. And all I could think was she's going through the checklist. Like, is she even paying attention to what I'm feeling and what I'm saying and what I, you know, and I didn't drink that day, but in, you know, I, I ended up drinking at the end of those four months, but I wasn't ready. I, I didn't have the feeling that I have now. And that's a big thing that I want to say too, is that you have to keep trying. And I just remember sitting in a woman for sobriety meeting in a late and I was telling my story and I'm like, I can't get this. I can't get this. And all the day ones, and it's so frustrating. And I'm, I'm, I'm now working with, so, um, I actually started a little group and it's called, um, Wisconsin women for recovery. And there's about almost 20 of us now. And there's some of us between Milwaukee and Madison area that get together. We try to meet up once a month and I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. But I see these women and some of them just keep day one, day over, day one, day one. And I'm like, just, you have to keep trying. You have got to keep trying because you, you won't get there if you don't. And I have become, I just, I, I, and maybe Jean, I don't know how you felt about it. And, and I felt like I was pretty, I mean, you have, there's so many different people that quit drinking. There are your gray area drinkers. There are the, you know, people go, oh my gosh, I was drinking one bottle and I didn't want to drink one bottle a night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, one bottle. I drink a bottle and a half and then drink tequila out of the, you know, which my husband finally figured out. I was walking down into the basement drinking tequila straight out of the, I mean, who does that? Right. Like who drinks straight alcoholics? Okay. Right. I mean, yeah, you talk about all the stuff I've done and, but I have a huge passion now for, I just love talking to people about recovery and I love Uh meeting people in recovery. I have met Oh my gosh, I've met such a great group of, of people, of women. And, and I, I mean, it turns out through online stuff. And I guess maybe that's, that's just what it is, you know, through BFB, all of a sudden a woman, she's like, Oh, I live, you know, in, 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 in Cedarburg too. And turns out she, she lives 15 minutes from me. And then there's another one that lives five. She literally is two miles from me right now. She just moved. And then, that's fantastic. And then there's, there's four of us that get together regularly and walk together and, and we met through the internet because we have a drinking problem. And as everybody says, you get together with these women and you, that small talk. Now there's no small talk. It's like, okay, what did you do? Oh, well, I ended up doing shots with my, my kid in the basement and like, yeah, who does that? I mean, who does that? Like what? Right. Like that's crazy. Um, that's not what you saw for yourself. That's not where you wanted to uh, be. <laughs> nope. Nope. That's, that's, that's not the, you know, mother's day card I want to get. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so it's just amazing. It's amazing. And you know what? I, I would be the opposite. You know, I would say that most people didn't know that I had a problem and I didn't drink nearly as much as what it sounds like you did. And, um, and yet what we both saw Mm -hmm. was that, oh no, I am, uh, I'm, I'm nearing end stage alcoholism here. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I'm, I'm ticking all these boxes and I really just saw where this was going to take me. And it uh, it, it wasn't where I wanted to go yeah. and it wasn't who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And and I say that because I know there's someone listening. So whoever you are, I'm talking to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who's comparing themselves to either you or me. Right. Exactly. And, or or and somewhere saying, I'm in not the middle. Like, no. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm not quite there and I'm not doing, yeah, I'm not doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you know 
you know. Yes. And even when you know and you try to talk yourself out of it, you still know. So for whoever's listening that might be trying to compare themselves and listening for the definitive answer that one of us might be going to give you that's going to say, yep, ding, you just checked a box, you now qualify. It it comes from within you, right? Mm -hmm. And you just know... This only this bus only goes one direction. It doesn't self-resolve. It only gets worse. And as you found when you did quit drinking for four months, it didn't reset you back to zero. Oh, it kept going. Yeah. Like you pick up where you left off. Right. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a realization. And you sound so happy and so self-assured. It's yeah. amazing. And it's really wonderful. Well, thank you. Did you wobble Jenny as your first year approached? I always have a little wobble right before an anniversary. Did you have that? Am I done yet feeling at all? Or did it just feel like, yay? Well, okay. So I don't know if you saw, did you see my post on she recovers? Because I said, Oh, I have 17 more days. And now that voice is starting because there are certain, certain, certain things I miss about drinking. And one of them is going to this, um, this place to drink beer with my husband. And for some reason there's one beer and I just want to go and I want to drink it. Now I don't, I don't want to, but the, the, the old Jenny wants to go and, and drink beer. Right. So I, I think, okay, get to a year, get to a year, and then you can have a beer. Like, so that voice that whoever that, whoever that is speaking to me, is, is, was started talking towards the, the one year mark. And then, and then I realized I was going to be on the bubble hour. So that kind of distracted the voice and quieted the voice. (laughs) And now I'm hoping that that voice is just going to stay quiet because interestingly enough, and I, and maybe some people will, will resonate with this who go to counseling. My counselor gets super excited when I have dreams, drinking dreams, and I talk to him about them. And he says, well, how did it end? And sometimes I know how it ends. And sometimes I don't know how it ends. And I had a drinking dream a couple days ago, and I can't wait to tell him about it. And in my drinking dream, I had gotten to a year and I could drink. I could drink. I could drink whatever I wanted. I was sitting at some bar. I don't know where. I sat down with my husband and he's like, what are you going to have? What are you going to whatever, whatever. And I'm like, can I have a Virgin Mary? Ah, so, so your heart's desire is to stay sober. Yeah. I really think that that is, yeah, I don't, I don't, because yeah. Sometimes drinking dreams can be a little hint that your brain is planning a relapse. Yep. If you, if you're drinking in the dream and nobody knows and you're getting away with it or you're drinking without consequence and you have no remorse, yeah. um, it's a sign that you're subconscious. So I've read, I'm not an expert, sure. but so I've read, it's a sign that your subconscious is wanting to drink and it's it's laying the foundations for a relapse. But if in your dream you realize, oh my gosh, I was just drinking. I don't want to drink. Right. Or I, or you, as you did, you know, you order something else. It's a sign that your subconscious is in good shape. Yeah. And yeah, so well, that's great. That's cool. I've told people, I said, um, some people, I, I read somewhere online and it said, um, I never want to go back to physically craving or mentally obsessed, obsessing over alcohol. And, and that's, that's mm-hmm. where I was. I mean, all day, every day, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. Super hungover, not going to drink, not going to drink, you know, three, four, that, and that voice starts around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, one, oh, you're going to have just one. I mean, I don't know what I did honestly with my time 
mentally because all I talked about or thought about was drinking. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. my, my kids don't think I'm a horrible mother and I'm not a horrible mother. So I did parent them. I did parent. I was a wife. I was, you know, a, a fun, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But it's, just, it's like the ticker tape across the bottom of the screen. That's how I felt. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're watching the news or something or, you know, the weather report comes across the bottom. Yes. That's how my addiction felt to me. It's like, I might be at work or I might be at dinner, or might be doing something completely normal, doing my mom stuff. Yep. But it was always there just across the bottom. Like, when can I drink? How's that going to fit in today? Am I going to have enough? Right. Is there going to be enough? Will I have enough time? Yeah. Yeah. It's always. And then the, and also it, the, the tape would grow in size. Yes. <laughs> it would get louder yes. and more anxious as the day went on. So you get your time back, you get your life back and you get yourself back here. Right. You become an interesting person again to yourself even. Yes. So oh, great. absolutely. And you know, Jean, it's funny because when I would listen to the bubble hour and I first heard your story, I thought, and this years ago, right. And, and you tell your story and I'm like, what? She doesn't get it. Like she, she doesn't get it because she, she wasn't, a blackout drinker or she didn't this, or she doesn't have 30 years of drinking under her belt, whatever. And every time I listen to the bubble hour, I'm like, holy crap, she gets it. Like she, she get yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly. And my point in all that is that you don't, it, it can either start to become a problem in your life and you notice it, or you can do be that end stage, like, you know, shaking and, yeah. and wanting to be somewhere else other than where you are, because it, I feel like, once you get it, once you're part of the club, you can't not be part of the club, but it's okay because the club is pretty awesome when you really yeah. work it, you know, when you really, yeah. you know, devolve, get, when you really let yourself go. I mean, I can't, I've, I've made such, such awesome friends with complete strangers. I have a, you know, my husband's like, now who are you texting? Now who's that? I'm like, oh, it's this person, this, who's that? Uh, I, I met him online. I'm like, oh, it's my friend so-and-so. He thought I was crazy with Meredith. I flew out to New York city to a, she recovers thing to, to spend the weekend with a complete stranger. My daughter, yeah. you know, how do you do that with an 11 year old? Like, Oh yeah, I met a stranger on the internet and I'm going to go spend the weekend with that person. She's like, mom, how do you know she's not a serial killer? I'm like, you just know <laughs> she's part of the club. <laughs> We definitely had some very interesting discussions in my household too about this and, yeah. you know, came down to, you're right. These are people I've met online. So this is what I'm going to do to be safe in these situations. You yeah. know, uh, we'll meet in public spaces. I'll be checking in with you, blah, 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 you know, and, yes. and doing everything you can to be safe. But the fact is that it's, yeah, it is pretty amazing. And, um, do listeners do be safe, do, do all your precautions. Well, none of us are leaving our homes these right. days anyway, so <laughs> everything's online, but it is just this instant connection. And it's, I also think it's really hard for the people that are part of our everyday lives to give us that kind of support because it's really hard for us to tell them, Hey, I love you. And I don't want to not be with you. And yet I have this need to numb out every day and it's not about you. And that can, you know, I feel like we kind of protect the people in our lives from that. So to be able to sit with other people where we can talk about that honestly Mm -hmm. feels pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. Some of the things that we're, we're talking about here. Uh, my guest from last week was Ben Heldfond, and he is a fellow who talked about recovery from heroin addiction. Mm. And he loves, 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 loves the 12-step program. 25 years sober, still goes to three meetings a week. Like, oh, wow. 
it just works for him and he works it. And, um, and then, you know, here you and I are both talking about more of a patchwork approach to recovery. Mm -hmm. And yet there's so many similarities in what we're all saying. And that's the thing is that the people who are, you know, are walking this walk are the people that help one another. Mm-hmm. And and a part of it is because we're not comparing how bad we were, you know? Right. I never thought I would have a heart-to-heart discussion with a former heroin addict where I'm saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. but we all get it, right? You all get, we all get it. It's, you yeah. just, you get it. And um, I know it's, it's so amazing. Uh, I know I keep saying amazing, but it is. I, I just absolutely, I love, I love people in recovery now. And, you know, I don't, I love people in recovery more than I love normal. I shouldn't say normal people because you know what I mean. Um, okay. Bleep that out. <laughs> I love, I'm leaving it in. Yeah. Send your complaints to me and I will forward right. them on to Jenny. Jenny. No. So I love, I love people in recovery because you can be so real with them. You know, we're yeah. so real with each other. I don't, I don't like, I honestly, I don't, my husband will be like, oh, you got to go to this because you know, it's church or church related, school related, this related. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. And I think that that has really saved me this year. Um, I, I pick, I, I initially really, really probably started getting sober for my, for my, my kids knowing I needed to do it for them, but I really, I really am at the point where I'm doing it for myself because I like myself Mm -hmm. and this next year of sobriety. So, okay. Year one done. And this next year is really working on myself, um, doing the, she recovers going through the, what are you recovering from? Because I I, I'm starting to realize that. And I think this is a huge thing for a lot of people in recovery. It's it's once you take that substance away, you realize it's not the substance really that, I mean, it is the substance that was causing the the problem, but there's so many underlying issues as to why you turn to that substance in the first place. Um, At least for Mm -hmm. me, because I'm, I'm actually scared going into the second year, not because I'm afraid of a relapse because of all the hard work and, and getting sober in the beginning was such hard work. And I'm, I'm, I'm worried about all the work that has to be done yet. Um, on these, on my, my, my things that I'm recovering from or starting to recover from. But, um, Jean, I do want to say to the people out there that are listening and they know that they need to quit drinking or they keep having day ones or they, this and that, or it's, or they're in the beginning and it's so hard. I would read all the time about just stay, stick in there. It gets better. Um, you know, it's, oh my gosh, I'm feeling amazing. Oh, I don't think about drinking that much. And I thought these people are nuts. These people are absolutely insane. This is taking (laughs) up my mind 24 seven. It's never going to get better. My life is going to always suck. Um, I'm I'm not going to be fun. I'm not going to this. I mean, it's a definite change becoming sober, but I don't, those cravings, the constant mental obsession, it gets better. Like everything Uh everybody says, it's true. And I'm like, holy, well, it's really hard not to swear on these things, but I'm like, holy, you know, holy crap. This is really amazing. I, I, and I, and I look at those people in the early days and I just want to 
hold them, you know, and that's part of the BFB, the penguins, and we all stick together. I just want to hold them and go just, okay, hold on. And that's what I say to people, hold on, because it is going to get so much better. It's not going to always suck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone commented on my blog one time when I was writing about cravings and they said the obsessions become occasional cravings and then the space between the cravings gets longer and longer and longer. Oh. And you you do still have them, but they're less frequent. Yes. And then you you develop more tools mm-hmm. in the in the in-between time because you start to find out other comforts and other things you enjoy. And that's what the recovery is, right? It's like the muscles that you're building in between so that when you do come up against a hard emotion that you don't want to feel yes. or a hard memory that's that's hard to be confronted with or boredom or social situations, you've got some other skills to draw on. Yep. And that's that's the whole deal. And you're right. Like if we just hang in there, time and effort and connections Mm -hmm. just works. It's magic. It's just so amazing. Absolutely. Last question. What were you reading? What books did you find helpful? You mentioned books a couple of times. What were some of your favorites? Okay. So hmm, darn, I should have really looked at this. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I've read Blackout. I've read You Are the Luckiest. Um, what else did I read? I have this naked mind. I'm actually walking through my house looking quick. Um, Laura McCowan's that's the, you are the luckiest, right? We are the luckiest. We are the luckiest. Um, also Emily Paulson's book. Highlight. Yes. I love that one. Um, all those. Um, but I still have a long, long list of stuff to read. Um, in fact, I need about six months of just living on the island by myself so I can read recovery books and um, all sorts of books like that. But one of the things that I absolutely loved and uh, Laura McCowan's The Nine Things, um, I, I'm looking at it right now. It's written in my journal and and I and I love them. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you want me to read them, but Sure. Um, Go ahead. Laura McCowan. McCowan. I hope that this is okay with you, but your nine things have touched a lot of hearts. So we'll assume she won't mind. Um, (laughs) You know, the number one thing, it is not your fault. Um, I used to have so much guilt and think that I'm this horrible person because I can't control my drinking. And um, I think that's huge because it it, it caused so much guilt and anxiety in myself. Um, But it is your responsibility. And I think that's what I finally was at the point in my life I couldn't I couldn't keep living the way I was living and it was my responsibility for myself and for my people in, around me to to get this under uh under control. Um three was uh so one was it's not your fault, two is it is your responsibility, three um it's unfair that this is your thing. And um yeah, I mean it is unfair, but number 4 is this is your thing and it is my thing. A lot of people have things, right? A lot of people have things that they I mean, we look at the world we live in and I don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't have something and this is my something. So, um, five, this will never stop being your thing. Uh, six, we can't do it alone. Seven, only you can do it. Eight, I love you. And that's something that's so important to remember. And nine, I will never stop reminding you of these things, which I think is so neat. And Another part of at the end of her book where she says, whatever your thing, tell yourself it's not your fault. It is your responsibility. 
it's an, it's unfair that this is your thing, but it is your thing. It will never stop being your thing until you face it. And you, and I love, love this and you can't do it alone, but only you can do it. I love you. She says at the end. And I think that, and I've tried now I've, I've met a lot of women and I, I try to help um, people reach out to me. And, and that's the thing is people want to do this on their own, but they can't, you can't, but you have, you have to do it and I will be there with you, but you, you have, you have to put in some effort um, mm-hmm. because it's not easy. It's, it's, it's so far the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also mm-hmm. the best thing I've ever done. Honestly, it's the best thing I've ever done. And I, I just, I mean, again, you'll have to, we'll have to do this again. Cause now I, the next one will be about all the benefits of being sober <laughs> because there's a whole nother <laughs> hour of that I can go into about that. Um, okay. That's a deal. But Jean, that's a deal. One of my things early on. And I thought that this, this just, I read this and it literally took my breath away and I can't tell you where it's from. Um, and I, I did find it, it came across somewhere on the internet, but I, it says, it goes like this. She looked at her old life one more time, took a deep breath and whispered, I will never see you again. I know. And I just, I'm like, and I I put that as my screensaver on my phone last summer. And I'm like, yeah, I don't ever want to be that person. I don't ever want to be her. I don't ever want to see her. So goodbye. You know, I, I use a phrase that I heard somewhere along the way, and that is release with gratitude. Yeah. You know, we don't have to burn it in a bonfire. We can just release with gratitude and forgive ourselves for the things we did to cope when we didn't know better, but now we know better yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we can't unknow right. it. Exactly. And so we release it with gratitude. Right. Like, uh, thanks for showing up and trying and, uh, and coping. And now I got this now I'm going to do, I'm going to, I've got it from here. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that's good. So if your brain ever starts telling you, Hey Jenny, I think you can be a normal drinker again. Yeah. I'm going to tell you my friend, <laughs> I don't think you can. Yeah. So I call BS on that voice. Right. So if you ever get that thought, Thanks. you just, you just remember me telling you that because, okay. <laughs> You sound so happy now and uh, I'm really, I'm happy for you and I'm happy to be on this path with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You were a big part of it. So I'm forever grateful. Oh, well, I'm honored and I'm glad you're here. Thank you for celebrating your one year with us here. And listeners, if you would like to reach out to Jenny, send an email to thebubblehour at gmail.com and I'll make sure she gets it so that she can respond back to you. And I will post all of the resources we talked about in the show notes. And I guess that's it for this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take good care. I didn't, not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from the power. Weakness had on me. In a dark corner is where shame likes to hide. strong just cause you'll keep it on the side it just stays in wait there to rob you of your pride turn the light on turn the light on you can shine when you see old i did that not proud that that was me and when i face it i take back a little dignity
Just want to be free from the power we use head on. 